It's episode 310 of Crack the Customer Code. So put on your wingsuit and get ready to fly. Adam, you know, some people would say podcasting is a form of media. Everyone would say podcasting. Everyone would say that. (laughs) And just think how this medium to reach out to people and talk to them and share ideas and talk about how awesome Adam is. That didn't even exist like 15 years ago. In How my head, in my head, it did. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's true. <laughs> that's not you, true. You would record little cassette tapes and ask people to play them on their Walkmans. <laughs> yeah, and I'd be like, I hope to meet a partner as awesome as Jeannie Walters one day. Oh, see, dreams do come true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. Well, we're like the LA Times, only not. Well, uh, close enough. Very close, exactly. <laughs> Well, and that is our guest today, Clint Schaff, is with the LA Times, and we had an interesting discussion, a little bit of a sidestep for us, but it was really interesting to talk about the changing media landscape and sort of view that through the lens of customer experience and who do we serve, who are our customers, especially in an ever-shifting, very turbulent industry. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, I do look around and have the lens of customer experience everywhere. And I think some people think, well, we don't really have customers. We have like in healthcare, they used to say we have patients. We don't have customers like those are different. And now people are talking about patient experience. And I think the same thing can be said for journalism and some different industries where if you use that lens of who are our customers and what are we trying, what experience can we give them? What what experience are they expecting? How can we exceed that? then it really does apply to any industry. And that's what I thought was so great about our conversation with Clint today. Exactly. And on what channels do do we deliver those experiences? Right, right. Podcasting. We recommend podcasting. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, let's hear a little bit about Clint. Yeah, go for it. Clint Schaff is an executive educator and entrepreneur that builds community through marketing communications and advertising content. In 2016, Clint joined the Los Angeles Times as its VP of Strategy and Development and is developing innovative content platforms and utilities in areas including premium branded entertainment. Prior to that, he had built and led agency teams for the wonderful company Group M, Golan, Elderman, and Vision 7. His work at Edelman with Activision's Call of Duty won a grand Effie. I have one of those, not really. <laughs> a gold Effie and a gold saber. That's the one I would want. That sounds awesome. That does sound awesome. Early in his career, Clint took on leadership roles within labor unions and for political campaigns and served as a White House intern. Clint also serves as an adjunct professor at USC's Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism. And he is also a refugee of the Jeannie Walters Former Employee Club. Clint, welcome to the show. How are you today? Doing well, Adam. How are you? I am fantastic. And before we get started with the questions, I heard a rumor that you actually used to work with or for <laughs> Genie. I did. I did. It's It's been downhill since then, but... Um, oh, come yeah, on. Yeah. Uh, so Genie. is there a, is there a support group? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny any rumors. Oh, boy. This is a great way to start, guys. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to join. I'm just saying. <laughs> Message me privately. Right, you got it. You got it. We oh, meet boy. on Tuesdays. We don't use our last names. <laughs> Well, Clint, since then, which was a long time ago, you've gone on to have this amazing career, and now I think you're doing such 
fascinating things. So I can't wait to get into this with you. So thank you for being here, first of all. And You're welcome. Thank you. Ignoring what Adam said about the emotional <laughs> scars. Uh, <laughs> But I think, you know, one of the things that I think is revolutionary in our time right now is how we are dealing with kind of media in general. Because back in the day, uh, I, you know, long ago went to school for journalism and it was such a straightforward thing. And just to put this into context, one of my papers <laughs> was about fax newspapers coming into the market. Like the Hartford Courier, I think, was the first one that would fax a little news flash to you at like 3 p.m. if you signed up for their fax paper. Um, and, you know, all the millennials can look it up. It's F-A-X <laughs> is what we're talking about. So I think right now, one of the things that, um, you know, everybody's dealing with in journalism and media is really changing what people are, how people are interacting with it. And I don't think here we've ever really discussed how those of us who consume media, which is pretty much everybody, uh, we are really customers. And so traditional news media has undergone all this change, so much disruption in the last decade. So what are some of the ways the LA Times is trying to serve their quote unquote customers in new ways today? Oh, great question. Uh, and you're totally right. I mean, the, the world of news media has been disrupted and has changed many times over. And it's a moving target. Um, what's interesting, you know, my background is mostly in doing consumer marketing, um, a lot of brand work, and uh, for the most part. And it's all that all information businesses have disrupted. So the news media is just has a unique set of challenges. And what, what makes us our challenges different from, say, what's also disrupted television, film, et cetera, is that people expect more of the news media. We it, it, we're, we have a public service imperative as well as a, a profit imperative. So um, the, the challenge is how do you um, serve customers in new ways while continuing to meet needs that maybe aren't as respected as they once were, like fair and accurate information. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and it's, and it's, a, it's a really heavy topic here to start on, but um, you know, we're, so to answer your question about how we, how are we trying to serve customers um, that the big challenge, and it's much to the chagrin of teams here is how do we do more with less resources? So there's, we have, you know, newsrooms have, have unfortunately um, decreased in size Mm -hmm. And um, we're being asked to create, the journalists particularly are being asked to create this, cover the same amount of information um, and to do that across a more fragmented media landscape. So now it's not just about recording great textual information with some photo, with some photography. Um, it's also, there's an expectation now to do audio products, a lot of video um, on social. So we're, we're having, you know, it's an exciting time um, and certainly open to, um, I think it's a more engaging type of journalism, um, but where it's a, a lot of extra resources. And so mm -hmm. um, we're, we're having a lot of success uh, with audio. We did a, uh, we had the number one podcast in the world for 31 days this year. Wow. Um, a true crime series called uh, Dirty John. Um, we're doing other stuff in audio. We have a video series and a new um, uh, film group called LA Times Studios. And then our journalists are creating amazing work in social, um, taking contemporary news stories like the recent fires in California, I mean, covering that on, let's say, Instagram stories, which seems 
like it would be a light news platform. But there's a there's a way we can tell stories visually there with photography and video that um, reaches a different audience than it would in the uh, you know on the dot com or in the printed paper. Mm-hmm. Wow, you know that just reminded me of something I heard a while ago. I think it was uh, Lester Holt from NBC. He said, you know, when he was kind of coming up in journalism, the evening news was epic. It was like, that's where everybody got their news. And he said, now we have to assume everybody's heard the stories we're about to tell already in their day. And I was like, that's such a weird, like total, you know, 360 of what it was because it's just, or 180, I guess. I always do that wrong. Sorry, everybody. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 360, you're back where you're starting. I know, exactly. But it's, it's really fascinating to think about how we get so much news, we get so much information in our day just from like the text alerts and different things. And then trying to tell that story in a deeper, more meaningful way, like the Instagram stories is a great example of that, because that can you can tell the story as it happens in a way that people will want that information instead of just kind of waiting for that, that wrap up about what it was and not just the weather alerts, but something really visual and powerful. So it's such a fascinating time, and it's also so it's got to be so challenging. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's challenging, very exciting. But it, it's it just adding to that. It, it it's leading to different types of journalism. So I'd say you know the evening news on all the networks that the evening news I grew up on, um, they were all the same, mm-hmm. pretty much different a different you know white male of a certain age yeah. <laughs> giving news in the exact same way. Um, and and then and then oh no, um, sorry about that. I got a little buzz there. The um, the and then and then the um, and the newspapers, same thing. They'd all you know you'd, you'd look for some variance in how different newspapers would cover the headlines differently, but it was by and large the same pool of reporters covering the same news in Washington D.C. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, now there's room in journalism for. Um, for one for one outlet to to continue to do that cut and dry you know just the facts ma'am kind of approach another group might bring a more passionate storytelling to the table um other media outlets are all about um regular people like like all of us and and the and the listeners today i'm sharing our take on the events of the day Mm -hmm. um other outlets are taking directly from the source you know in, in sports journalism the players tribune which is owned by athletes like Derek jeter are having athletes directly communicate in their own words their experience rather than being translated through a, a reporter mm-hmm. um, and interpreted. So it, it's I, I'm I'm personally excited about it. Um, this there's some social challenges around this diversification of media, but um, but I, I'm I'm hoping it'll goes in the right direction. Well, let's look at it because this is where it gets, I think, interesting from a customer service and customer experience standpoint, you know, sort of customer experience 101 is who is your customer mm. and defining that customer. And you know, to what degree is it subscribers? To what degree is it the traditional function of society at large? Because, you know, it seems like if it's only subscribers without any uh, view or sort of, uh, I don't know, giving some stake to society at large, then everybody becomes BuzzFeed, right? I mean, you know, the... Right. You, the Post, the 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 East Coast Times, all that, it becomes harder to focus on substance if all you want is eyeballs, right? If all you want is eyeballs, everything's a story about the Kardashians. Right. So how do you balance, uh, you know, the the two different customers, or do you look at it that way? What's what's sort of the approach there? 
Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think you nailed it, Adam, with the word balance. I think it's finding. Um, you know, it's finding a, a 50-50 equilibrium between hard news and Kardashian news. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, the, uh, the, uh, Just the Kardashians. <laughs> um, That's a catch-all no. term. <laughs> I think it's about, um, you know, having a portfolio of products and seeing what, what is succeeding economically as well as what's succeeding from a, uh, more subjectively from a public service standpoint. Um, we the, the good news is our journalists are largely empowered to hunt to hunt for the news the way they the news that they think needs to be told um there's a fair degree of autonomy around that um and then on the and then i think i'm on the i'd sit on the business side and there are underexplored opportunities how can we tell the stories of uh of businesses in a way that they're not getting through you know traditional branded content from agencies um but how can we partner with them and, and, and understand that these businesses and other organizations are made out of individuals with compelling stories? Um, so we're, we're always seeking that balance. I think it's about um, there's there's so many and there's so many you could go on uh, many different spectrums. You could look like hard news to soft news. You could look at, you know, consumer reader generated to expert analysis. You know, there's all these spectrums. I think it's about having at this point, it's really an experimentation phase of looking at what's what's succeeding uh, emission wise and financially and it's interesting because as you're talking you're talking about kind of storytelling which i know is really something you're kind of fascinated by in general and you're a big believer in it and in some ways if you look back at kind of the just the facts journalism of the past that was a form of storytelling and we all kind of accepted it and then the shift happened where that's just not working like it used to so what do you think we need to <laughs> What part do you mean? You mean the part with the facts? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's all agree on what facts are, maybe. Let's start there. But <laughs> um, but I think that now people are craving storytelling. They want it. Like that's why, like you mentioned, uh, Dirty John and Serial and, and things like that have been so popular because it's just really great storytelling. And so what do you think is what do we need to change today for telling stories to today's audiences? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, again, uh, the experimentation is what we need today across media. Here at the LA Times, we're, we're making our own set of bets. Um, where I, I think there is a, a movement in a direction to go toward conversational language in the journalism. Um, so it's more accessible to a wider array of audiences. Um, you know, in general, I, I think there's this idea of, of traditional newspapers that are now, you know, media companies um, migrating from being a detached bringer of news to passionate storytelling by experts. And um, that's, there are landmines in that shift, right? Because you don't, I, I continue to want objective, fact-based journalism. And so no one's trying to throw that out. But um you know, I, one of you mentioned earlier that you know you're getting news from the source, and the, the, and Lester Holt said that people already know the news by the time you tell them. So what they're really looking for is for, you know, our journalist or Lester Holt or whomever to explain what that news means in the lives of the viewer or the reader, and what um, and what are the implications and what actions one could take, um, or what should they be looking for next. 
and it's it's less about this happened because i already know what crazy thing xyz politician already did um by the time it's reported so what tell me how that matters to me how does it affect my job my family um etc um and so this uh and then so a lot of that means maybe ch- uh less more a uh, chunking out of news into digestible um pieces of information that are that are more usable as opposed to a gigantic narrative um piece that's you know 10,000 words that's the definitive piece on all things related to a topic um and then telling that story across different mediums you know virtual reality 360 um audio social whatnot um and our and our it also means events and experiential which kind of gets back it's a little old school right it's like let's get a bunch of people into the town square and tell the news (laughs) but um but it's quite powerful right like live journalism is um it 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 borders on the line of entertainment, but we apply the same standards to our events that we do to the journalism. So our, um, we have a, a event in April here in Los Angeles um, called the Festival of Books. It's the largest literary event in the world. Um, 150,000 people attend. And uh, we have great guests. Uh, you know, Many of them have a great fame outside of their literary work, um, and they wrote books. But we're expanding that this year and curating uh, several stages on the brand new story. And the idea there is how do we tell um, storytelling that isn't in a book form, but it, within the context of this festival books event? Because um, I have this belief that if, you know, if Mark Twain were born today, he, he may not be an author. He'd probably have a YouTube channel or he'd be creating, you know, AR experiences to tell us stories of um uh, along the uh, along the Mississippi River, mm-hmm. uh, how cool and, would that be? <laughs> yeah, that so that's how. Cool. Yeah. yeah, right. So, um, so let's put them on the same. But treat that. But again, it isn't like oh, you have a YouTube video, so you get to be on stage because you have a lot of views. Like we're still going to um, apply some subjective journalistic um, criteria to what voices to amplify further, and mm-hmm. then to look at those critically and what's the meaning of what they're what the stories that they're telling. Um, but yeah, so that, that combination of, of all those areas is kind of how we're trying to tell stories differently for today's audiences. And so it, will the festival is adding that new story section or, or, you know, mm-hmm. parts to it. Is that new in 2018? Yeah, exactly. It's the first yeah. year we've done that in 2018. And, um, so we have a, we, again, we, we bring together 150,000 people at, at the USC campus for the festival of books and new story will be the hot new shiny toy there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the new story experience uh, extends throughout the week, actually, with a live magazine type event um, as well. A storytelling dinner with bringing together many of the storytelling trades leaders within the Southern California area. Um, and uh, finally, uh, some movie screenings that we're putting together um, of, of some franchises that are well known in the storytelling space. Hmm. Um, so it should be really fun, you know, five day period of, of new storytelling. We're pretty excited about it. That's very cool. Well, it's kind of it kind of goes to like I've gone to author events where they read from their book and it's like mm-hmm. I've read the book. I've already <laughs> I've already experienced this, but there's something about having the author read their own words live in person that's like a different experience. And so I love that you're kind of experimenting with just uh, you know, storytelling in all these different types because there is something magical sometimes about getting people together. Um, especially in today's world where, you know, we still go to live theater. We still all do all of these things because 
there is something powerful about that, even though we could watch it on video or we could stream it or whatever. There's something about connecting with people on that level. So I, I'm so curious to see kind of how it goes and what happens. I bet there's going to be surprises and just it's going to be very cool. Sounds it's going to be great. Yeah, thanks. That's what I come out for it. The um, What's interesting, too, is the events. I love that you mentioned these uh, book readings. Mm-hmm. We have an event series called Ideas Exchange where we bring together um, uh, you know, Trevor Noah, Ariana Huffington. We had Bill Nye. Uh, major authors come in and talk about their books. And a pretty consistent thread is that they they often point out something they would have done differently in the book now, you know, months after the fact that they've it's went to print. Hmm. And I think it, so I, what I love, this harkens back to our earlier question about changes in the storytelling and journalism. I think there's an acknowledgement that stories don't, don't always have a beginning, middle and end. They don't, they don't act as linearly as that. Um, a lot of the things where we are creating journalism about, whether it be live events or, you know, stories on the dot com or whatever, um, the stories continue to evolve and change as the context changes and as the world changes. And so with um, moving from a, a print paper as our primary focus of years ago to now being in a digital environment and having uh, all these new uh, mediums, to, we, can, we can acknowledge that and continue to follow the story as it changes over time, right? Like mm-hmm. on a very serious note, like um, there's growing awareness of um, men's misuse of power against women in the United States. Mm-hmm. And that story is not a new story. Um, the way we would cover some of those incidents in the past is different than the way they're being covered now, thankfully. And um, I think part of that is, you know, uh, the, the line share credit goes to the, to the strong women um, who are speaking out. Um, additionally, the, the changes in types of media allow for that because mm-hmm. it allows for individuals to tell their own stories. It allows for um, those bringing you know, the journalists who are interpreting the news to, um, to tell the story and pull at different threads of any story like that in different ways and different mediums. And to understand that it doesn't like, there wasn't a decision made and then we moved on. The story continues to exist and context continues to build mm-hmm. leading to a more, to, to understand the complexities of life. And mm. um so I love these live events because it gives a chance for an audience to engage with um, newsmakers uh, or storytellers and to, for them, for the storyteller to unpack the process they, they got to, to get to that artifact, that book or that movie or whatever mm-hmm. they made. And then to, for, to look back and say, Oh, I w- maybe I would have told the story a little bit differently now, given what I know. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I love that experience. And it's interesting when you think back to, as you were talking about, like now women can tell their own stories and that's so powerful and it's a different context and everything else. I mean, think about what Anne Frank's diary, you know, did for that part of history because it wasn't what was reported. It wasn't reading a history book. It was somebody's very personal account of their life during that time. And, you know, that's, it's kind of like now we just have more of that. We have more of these firsthand accounts that can really provide that nuance and context that brings things to life for people um, in ways that kind of traditional history or reporting just, it can't always do. Right. So the storytelling, so the, the journalism is uh, media and not just journalism are empowering more and more people to tell the stories in their own voice. And then there's, 
a role for um, vetted, proven journalists to mm-hmm. to you know examine those stories for their their impact, their accuracy, their uh, and to to bring context to all right. There's hundred stories are being told about um, about whatever topic and. So in aggregate, this is what we think that might mean for our society. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and, that's, and that's a really exciting thing to be a part of, um, and then to be able to do that across different mediums. And to what degree do you think, you know, you'd mentioned uh, where you were, you know, the, the Times functions as telling, they've, they've already heard the story, so we're going to tell them what it means. We're going to tell them how it relates to their lives, give them context, give them depth. To what degree are you really also becoming uh, the filter for the noise? Because, you know, Jeannie brought up Anne Frank. You look at, you know, Diary uh, Narrative Life, Frederick Douglass, all of these things that were not, uh, you know, they made an impact, but they made an impact in an environment that was just not so saturated with noise. And now the problem, as I see, or one of the problems or challenges is there are so many stories which ones rise up and which ones, you know, get that curation, you know, from an organization like the LA times to sort of say, Hey, this is important. This story matters. Yeah. Great question. And thankfully it's on the editorial side. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> faced with those weighty issues. Um, what is interesting though, and I can speak about our involvement in different forms of media, including social is that um, there's a, there's a constant stream of, um, feedback coming back in. So if we're not covering on, you know, on politics, but on all things, like if you're, if we're covering things in a way that is not, um, viewed as fair or, or certain stories aren't getting a part of it, it'll be known. And, Mm -hmm. and then those folks can make a decision on, you know, whether or not to heed that feedback. But, um, I think that's a powerful time. It, It creates some more tension in the world because we, um, because, there's a lot of us who are ticked off about a lot of things who want everyone to know. Um, it's a good thing though. I think that tension it's, it's, it, it's similar to like the intentional tension that exists across, um, you know, different branches of the government, which is meant to create this, you know, mm-hmm. great uh, marketplace of ideas that, that doesn't allow bad things to get through. Um, uh, in this case, you know, we, we're having, we're having a very public conversation about what our culture and our country's priorities should be. And, um, and it, it's it's a little messy, but um, journalists have a role in, in hearing that conversation and then, um, you know, contributing valuable information for a more informed population. And I think the feedback point of like now there's this constant stream of feedback that kind of holds people in power, whether that's people with the pen or people, you know, who actually have true power. And it holds them accountable. And I think that's something that we talk about a lot with customer experience is that idea of, you know, if you're allowing the feedback in, that means that you have to acknowledge it and you have to do something with it. So this is really cool. And I think we could talk about this for like another <laughs> hour, but unfortunately we don't have that much time, but the, uh, but I, I think it's so cool how you're thinking about it and looking at things differently and kind of throwing up the pieces in the air and, and trying to figure out like which ones still really fit and which ones need to be tweaked and how can we do this in a way that is interactive and collaborative with the very people who 
receive the information, who want the information. So it's this was fantastic. So thank you so much for being here, first of all. Um, and I would love for people to be able to reach out to you. So how could they do that? What's the best way to find you? Absolutely. Um, you can find me on, on all the social networks, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, at Clint Schaff, C-L-I-N-T-S-C-H-A-F-F, um, at ClintShoff.com. We'll redirect at the moment to my LinkedIn page, and you can find any way to contact me there. Fantastic. And we'll make sure that's all in the show notes as well. And uh, yeah, I, I'm so excited about this festival. I might have to have a trip out there. You do need yeah. to. And if, if I could add one thing, it's interesting, is your your podcast t- you know, talked about the customer experience and cracking the customer code. And um, you know, it, it, that is something I learned working with you, honestly, many years ago, right? Uh-huh. So we were... Because and and so for most of my career, I've been you know taking what I learned there and continued to learn elsewhere, um, and applying it to the customer relationship between brands and their customers. And now you know it's an honor to do that at the LA Times, where we're um, looking at a different product. We're looking at information and news products. But really, as you said earlier, it's the same dynamic. And um, and 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 so thank you for that. Oh, that's so sweet. Aww. Thank you. That was very nice. I'm all warm and fuzzy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much, Clint. You're awesome. We really appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Jeannie. Thank you. Wow. Well, I think we could have kept talking about that for a long time because there are so many different avenues to think about and the world's the oyster right now. Like there, There are so many opportunities, but there are also so many challenges with how we consume information and how we seek it out and how reporting is done. And I just, I just thought it was great. I loved, I loved thinking about information and communication in so many different ways. Right. And that tension between, you know, quality versus quantity mm-hmm. versus sort of short-term versus long-term, which we really didn't get into, but is a, a big dynamic in you know, deciding whether to chase eyeballs or do hard news or finding right. that balance as we talked about with Clinton. It, it's such yeah, it's it's such a turbulent time in that industry, and it's it's amazing to see all of the different steps they're taking to adapt and still maintain their journalistic principles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool stuff. So, I think I I hope everybody thought it was as fascinating as we did, but I think Clint's doing some very cool stuff. So. We thank him for being here, and we thank you for being here with us. We are so appreciative of our listeners on Crack the Customer Code, and we are a proud member of the C-Suite Radio family. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our customer experience investigation consulting at 360connects.com, as well as look up my newest course on LinkedIn Learning or lynda.com. And I'm Adam Kapork, and you can learn more about me and our customer service workshops and training, as well as our online courses at customersitstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.